0: Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Here in Tales of Tennessee.
1: So, joining me today on Tales of Tennessee is a guy with a huge range of experience as artist manager, booker, promoter, as well as a talent finder. His smile is absolutely infectious and he is completely unrecognizable without his beard. He is Nashville based legend Todd Thomas. Welcome okay. to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Georgie. I appreciate those kind words. Uh,
1: uh, well, we are honoured that you're joining us, um, and from Nashville as well. Thank goodness yeah. for Zoom.
0: <laughs> yes, thank goodness for Zoom.
1: So you have got such a wide scope of experience, Todd. Can you give us a little bit of a backstory about how you got involved in the music industry initially?
0: Um. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, I think my interest all, all started with, uh, with watching the movie, the film Jerry Maguire. I uh, probably was eight or nine years old, so it's dating me. But um, after watching that, I wanted to get involved into the the manager-agent role for sports athletes. I was, was too small and wasn't talented enough to, to be an athlete myself. <laughs> so, so that was kind of where I was heading, and I was living out in Northern California and my uncle actually is a uh, partner's in a booking agency for musicians. So I, I thought um, while I was going to college, that might be a nice transition to get my foot in the door. And that has since uh, brought me into the the music world, which I absolutely love. So I think somewhere down the line, i will love to work with athletes, but uh, I'm, working with music, which is my other passion. so okay. And through that process, able to find my wife and now have a kid. And uh, So my uncle owned a boutique booking agency in Northern California, so we booked a lot of the, the lounge acts in Reno and Lake Tahoe. We had a couple of uh, national acts that we booked through uh, fairs and festivals, but primarily concentrated on the West Coast. And as my cousin and I kind of wanted to start onto the buying side, uh, we took on some clubs, and we got into the the country realm of things, and so we started buying some national headliners on on the country, and that's what really opened the doors to where where I'm at right now.
1: So, when how long have you lived in Nashville? When did you make the move from Northern California over to Tennessee?
0: I want to say it was mid January 2012 when I, I moved out here. So close to nine years.
1: Yes. Yeah. So so not that long, relatively speaking.
0: No, not that long. But uh, yeah, I I absolutely love it out here.
1: And what kind of gave you the final nudge to make that move? Was it because of Christy, your wife, who is, of course, in American Young? Or (laughs) was it just because you were working with more and more country artists?
0: Um, It's interesting. So my cousin and I came out here to Nashville, I think it was 2010. It was uh, Easter weekend. Fact my the the night of my was my twenty seventh birthday, April fifth, and we would flown into Nashville. We we're coming out here to meet with uh, Willie Morris and CA, a couple other agencies, and we flew in that night. And somebody at the airport told us we had to go see uh, go the Rippies, go have some of their barbecue, and so we we went there. And the bartender said you have to go across the street to Tootsie's, the world famous. Honky tonk there, and check out the band on the second floor. So we went back there and we we're having our, our nice Nashville buzz. Uh, <laughs> and there's just like amazing, amazing fiddle player that was playing there, and, and great band that was performing. And uh, went up and tipped the, the fiddle player the play. I think it was Wagon Wheel at the at the time as Old Crow Medicine Show version. I don't think Darius Rucker had his version out yet they played that and then the singer came over and she goes, "Do you know who the, the fiddle player is? And we, we didn't have any clue, but it was a girl named Christy O from bombshell, which ironically we just bought uh, five or six shows on bombshell to come out West uh, the following month. And so Christy came over and introduced herself and uh, she literally, after her set, she took us by the hands and um, showed us up and down Broadway. And so, when you get that like VIP uh, treatments of what Nashville's all about, and every bar we go in, everyone knew who Christy was, so she'd jump up on stage and take her fiddle out and play with them. We were just astonished at what was going on. And uh, that night, I was like, "I'm I'm going to marry this girl," you know, uh, in my drunken state. But um, yeah, no, that's
1: such a cool story. And she <laughs> is when she plays the fiddle; she is absolutely captivating. I have no idea how musicians do it. And they're all just so unbelievably talented. So I can get, I can get why you were, why you were so captivated by her initially. So what were your, what were your initial thoughts of Nashville sort of when you, when you arrived from California, did you find it was a bit kind of more hillbilly or just another US town?
0: No, it was, I mean, there's, there's so much magic in Nashville and and even beyond the music. I, I think gone to Las Vegas a couple times prior to that, and you like, you, you fly over the casinos and you see all the lights and everything, and then you go into the casinos, and there's, you know, obviously the slot machines and all the entertainment that goes on for the families and stuff. But going into Nashville, you, you hit Broadway and it just lights up, and then you hear the music coming out of every single um, venue, and it is just so so captivating that um you're just drawn in and then you you see these artists and every single one of these venues these artists are amazing So where you're going like these people can be on on the radio and and sure enough most of them end up getting there you know chris jansen got a start chris young and christy my wife so many bands have started down on the honky taunts on broadway and then their national acts that you're hearing on the radios so between that and then you you have a little of the Tennessee moonshine or some of the whiskey, it's (laughs) just adds to the Nashville buzz, you know? So, but then you get beyond that and there's so much history in the civil war and there's a a Southern charm about it. And just the people in general are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Maybe the worst drivers I've ever come in contact with, but the nicest people. And I, I think that's, Kind of the what what I fell in love with with Nashville is is the people, the music, and the weather is is probably the most random thing about Nashville because I, some of the summers have been the most humid, hot summers, and then wintertime could be sixty degrees one day, could be snowing the next day. So yeah, there is there's something special about Nashville.
1: I absolutely agree, and I think like you say when you end up on broadway and all of a sudden there's all of this live music coming from every single doorway you just it's it's quite mind blowing obviously you you went there and you were already working in the industry do you think you looked at it in a different light to somebody who was just going on holiday or do you think you were still sort of drawn to the same things i mean i'm assuming that over the years you've you've been to the country music museum and hall of fame and the johnny cash museum and all of those those attractions, do you think you see it differently because you work in the industry?
0: I, I think at first, our first visit, uh, it was definitely eyes wide open and just excited to be there as an as, uh, individual and, and not even, I mean, our mission was to meet with some of the agencies there within the business, but I, I think Nashville, that's what it does. It just takes you by the hand and it, it shows you around. And you're going like, I, I love this city. But yeah, there's part of it, you know, the next, the Monday morning hangover and sitting there in a major agency and trying to have a conversation going, I'm never going to drink again. I'm not going to do this. And then Monday afternoon, you're back at honky tonks and you're drinking again going, I love this town. <laughs> you know? So it, it does have a way of pulling you in, whether you're a, a tourist or you live here, because I don't go downtown as often, especially during the, the pandemic, but it's. There's, there's times that the conventions come into town and you find yourself at, at tootsies or losers or winners at 2 a.m. You're going, how did I get back here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, great um, to know that you do still experience that now you've been there for, for a decade because I think it's so different seeing it as a tourist who just goes and dip your toe and you have a wonderful time but then you go home again. So it's always got that novelty factor. So it's so lovely to hear that, you do still go to those places obviously yeah it's not going to be all the time because you do have a day job as well obviously but that <laughs> you can still go and enjoy it and and see new bands and stuff that's that's great yeah.
0: no there is there is something to be said to I, I think you know working in music you can just get so accustomed to it being part of your job and there's moments that i have to be able to pull myself away from that and going wait i'm not listening to music as my passion anymore it's becoming a job and so those are the times that you go i got to go back down on broadway and just listen to it as these bands are working for tips and you come across somebody playing acoustic at one of the venues or you go the roberts and you just hear music and it just kind of revitalizes your energy and passion and you kind of find your muse all again once you go back down there so it is something really important to just go back to that because the first time you're you're there it it never goes away it just adds value to it because it it has grown over the last nine years since I've been here and the amount of people that are coming here on the weekends and whether it's a bachelorette group or bachelor party or whatever's coming on into town it's just magical just to see what music does to people. And that's my favorite part is uh, being a wallflower, just watching the connection between um, the artists on stage and the people dancing and reacting on the floor and just seeing that muse go back and forth.
1: Yeah, I think it is It is a very friendly and sort of safe feeling place. And uh, Natalie Cox was one of my other guests on the podcast. And, and we were both saying, you know, we've both been there on our own and you can just go into a bar and you can sit down and you just get immersed in the in the music and in the atmosphere and actually it's fine that you're sitting there on your own and it's not it's not odd it's don't get particularly creepy guys coming up or what have you so i think it is it's that music the atmosphere that goes with the type of music that is played there as well and the fact that just everyone is there to have a good time um, yeah. i think it's 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 a great place so so what does your what does your day job entail at the moment, I mean, I'm assuming that it's slightly different now than it was back in January 2020.
0: Yeah, every day is a new day for me. Um, during the pandemic, I've added some more responsibilities from not just managing a handful of artists um, in house here at Curb, but also doing some in house booking. I've added a director of promotion to MCC Curb Records, a new imprint that my Curb has launched. So. That has uh, a Jackson Mickelson, American Young, and Tim Duggar. And so right now, our, our goal is to get airplay. So there's 150 uh, plus or minus a, a couple stations on the media base, monitored billboard panel that we, we call at least once or twice a week and try to get these artists um, played on the on the radio. Just make sure that the the programming directors and music directors are well aware of the artist, the song, and you you hope to create some stories and hope the station picks it up. We also, you know, call Bob Harris over at BBC Radio 2 and a couple of other BBC radio stations and and try to build a story internationally. So um, every day is a little different. There's specific call times that some of these program directors have. And so that stays consistent, but outside of that, you, you never know. A song may hit on TikTok, and then all of a sudden, you have people calling you saying, "Hey, we want to play the song," or "Hey, is there? Can they do a virtual performance for our fans?" So every day is a little different, but uh, in general, it's always revolving around around the song. That's what I'm. So we
1: with. obviously we first heard Jackson when he came over to what was Dixie Fields in 2019. And he absolutely blew all of us away. So I've obviously been following his progress since then. And it seems like he's absolutely blowing up out there now, which is brilliant. And, you know, couldn't be happier and more excited for him because it's just so well-deserved. Has he had a kind of regular, in inverted commas, trajectory? Or, you know, I don't know how this, how this works from a sort of Less exposed artists, up to somebody that gets played on on radio on a regular basis, is is his journey typical, or has he got a bit?
0: you know, it's. I I wish there was a set formula of how uh, an artist can go from you know your your first song you write to you know headlining at uh, the Tennessee Festival, or uh, you you know it's um, Tennessee Fields. I got to get used to that name.
1: Me too. Me too. (laughs) You're not the only one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it it is uh, fascinating just because the the means of social media plays such a a big role now uh, between TikTok, uh, where acts like Priscilla Block are being discovered and songs are going viral and, and YouTube and It's not just the the traditional means of terrestrial radio. There's, uh, here in the States and in Canada, we have Series XM, which is a a huge player. Then we have all the DSP, the streaming providers such as Spotify and Apple Music and, um, YouTube. There's so many different ways to go about it. You know, um, Chris Stapleton in that moment on the CMAs with Justin Timberlake kind of sparks, uh, Uh, Chris Stapleton. I mean, he had a a great career before that, but just put him on such a spotlight that really propelled him to the next level. So you kind of take all that information and you want to apply it. And uh, there's just so much and so many ways to go about it. But I I think the one consistent thing that we can do as, as a manager and at a label is constantly put out music you know, consistently put out great music that represents the artist really dig into what that brand entails. Who is this artist? What are they saying? And usually for what I've, I've experienced with artists that are songwriters that cut most of their own stuff or they'll bring in outside cuts. Typically we try to preach the best song wins. So not to limit yourself to your, your own songs. Um, but what I have discovered is, you know, it's usually their last song they wrote is their best song. And so you may have recorded this album where you're putting out 12 songs and that's already going to be released tomorrow. And yesterday they wrote their their best song. And so you're going like, okay, now how do we start planning for this song while we're still trying to focus in on these songs? So it's it's a good problem to have. You just encourage... Um, You just encourage artists to continue the rights and it's on on me it's on our label it's on on the artists to continue to say hey we want to put out new music we want to get this released because you can have a song hit on dsp it's on spotify and get 10 million streams but may not get any airplay on terrestrial radio so it's interesting to figure out how to navigate those channels and hopefully you can build a story that's hey, we're not just trying to please the, the curators or the program directors of these channels. It, it really is our fans. And I, I think that's where you see a lot of the artists that have gone out and toured and built these fan bases up, the, the Chris Jansons, the Granger Smiths, a lot of uh, the Texas artists that have done such a successful job of uh, Parker McCollum, who have just generated, they've created a, a massive fan base, and they move the needle for them so it, it does take a team it does take um, your fans to be calling into the stations that and when a song is out there there's a lot of metrics that you know dsps look at the save like, share ratios are um, all available on the back end that you can see so.
1: so do you think with the increase in like streaming and digital forms of music is that gonna have a big impact on how you're planning your promotions with regards to, especially with touring and stuff like that, is that going to be particularly affected or, you know, you still need to go out there because you still need to be build your fan base. Do you think there's going to be probably in the quite near future? Do you think there's going to be a huge shift in how your plans are made?
0: Yeah, I think it all plays part of how your plan is. And uh, I think you can definitely build a story on the DSP streaming side and that story can help lead to venues and buyers finding an axe. Um, I've had multiple people reach out because of Spotify numbers. I've had people reach out because they've heard an artist on Series XM. And I've had people reach out to the buy axe because they heard them on KNCI in Sacramento. You know, so it it is all part of the plan. You, you do want a story that you can use and share with people to be like, hey, this is uh, ultimately. My goal as a promotion rep is to make sure uh, the decision maker is listening to the song and that, hey, this, this might be something. Hey, they're playing at the, the venue right down the street from you and this is the fan base and look at the Facebook metrics that this many people are following this fan in your city and yet you have yet to, to listen to the song or, or give it a chance. You know, So that's the goal is to just... Take all the metrics and and take any story and just kind of start letting it um combine them all, say, hey, this is this is our story, this is why you should play this song.
1: Yeah. And do you I'm not gonna ask you to name any names or anything like this, but are there any particularly sort of difficult artists who really are anti the sort of streaming side of things or anti going out on tour? Do you ever have any difficulties like that, or is that all fairly sort of cut and dried when you sign them to start with look this is what we do this is where you're going to go this is you know along the lines of how we how we work
0: um well i I don't know if this answers your question but it i mean just like social media when you start comparing instagram followers from a a new artist compared to a a 90s artist and you go wow this new artist has 10 times the amount of followers than this 90s artist well the 90s they didn't have Instagram, they but they were playing in front of 20, 30,000 people at these vessels and, and arena shows. So it, it's really difficult because it, it parlays into the streaming world of some of these artists that have names and have value and can sell these hard tickets don't necessarily have the streaming numbers that uh, a brand new act who has been engaged on Spotify, who's launched their music on Spotify. So that is kind of a fascinating, um, just trying to distinguish between, okay, what, these numbers don't tell the whole story. And so uh, you got to look at it really closely and know, uh, you know, some artists are, are, that's the greatest outlet for them. Because there's no limits, uh, you know, as an indie act, you can go put out a song every day if you choose to. And just create a fan base. You can put out some cover songs out there. I mean, YouTube. You saw what Kane Brown, how he got started covering Lee Bryce and Chris Young, Chris Young songs, and just built up a following on some cover releases to where they demanded some original songs. And now look at Kane Brown now. So
1: amazing. So over here in the UK, we love a meet and greet. We love buying merch. We love the sort of physical aspect of a festival or a gig whether it's buying a cd or a vinyl or what have you or a t-shirt is that the same over in the in the us do they have that that same vibe um
0: yeah i would say so i I think uh country fans or fans in general always want to have the the tour t-shirt they want to have vinyl has become a a major player again To where i'm I'm sure it's outselling cds I, i don't know I mean, we still make CDs and we sell them at shows more than anything. I feel like they're uh, just uh, a way to autograph the the inlay <laughs> yeah. of the CD there. But um, no, Vinyls have been really popular. Koozies, it's always fascinating to see what people really like. But merchandise is, is still a huge part of the country music business and live touring when it's taking place. Unfortunately for for us right now, we we haven't been able to get out there and move any merch.
1: I, I was going to say, what are your sort of thoughts? What is the outlook for live shows over in the states over the summer? I know it's very difficult to say, but you know, yeah, it's, you can, it's so tough.
0: I mean, I could tell you what my my hopeful outlook is, and then yeah. the contingency plan would be, but um, we've we've had to move a number of shows that we've we've canceled or we've moved on. To another day then to another date. So every time we do that, it's a little more work. So I personally have kind of pulled back and just said, "Hey, let's let's find out what date we can really start looking in to knowing that hey, we might have to move it again." But there's some venues still here in town, the listening room, that's doing um, a COVID safe, you know, six feet apart, and they've done really well at that, bringing in some some big names because. Uh, let's face it. I mean, whether you're a national actor or a brand new artist to the format, you, you have a love and passion of playing live and getting in front of people and connecting with the fans and letting your music be heard. So it's been really cool to see some of these shows with some big names um, and a venue you may not have seen in the past. So, And, it, and I really think as far as the reflection, it, it's just it makes you really appreciate the fans and consumers of music. Because I, I think when the doors open, whether it's in the UK or here in the States, it's I think it's gonna be a frenzy. I think we're gonna have a huge party like New Year's Eve and everybody's gonna to wanna to go out and go see live shows. So
1: Fingers crossed. Yeah. I think it will. And I think there is so much sort of anticipation of when that might when that might be and I don't know if that's a hindrance or a help to be honest whether you you really desperately want to look forward to something but as you say you just don't know if you're going to be able to do it so then you might have to move it again and again and you think oh actually if I just don't think about it and worry about it nearer the time is it is it easier to kind of get your head around with that okay so part of this podcast is obviously we want to have the stories from people who work in the in the music industry but we also want to have some sort of tips and hints for people who haven't been to Nashville and who want to visit so do you have any particular recommendations for things to see and do for somebody who heads to Tennessee for the first time not necessarily just Nashville but a little wider afield if there is anything
0: yeah yeah I, I definitely would say you have to Come down to Music Row and and drive around. Uh, check out some of the studios. RCA Studio B is uh, right across the street. As I look out the window, I could see that. But um, there's so much history. If you're into music, that was made here on Music Row. And you'd be driving by a house and didn't realize it's a studio where Patsy Cline or Elvis used to record. Johnny Cash. Um, So there's so many just uh, famous landmarks that you wouldn't even know about. I definitely recommend that. You have to go down the Broadway and do the tourist thing. Country Music Hall of Fame is just loaded with hours and hours of just knowledge and uh, what country music is all about. When it comes to food, Nashville has some of the best restaurants um, in town and they keep adding more and more. So, Hot chicken is definitely well known in Nashville. There's a couple places I recommend. the The OG place would be a uh, Princess Hot Chicken. I don't think they've ever changed their grease there, unless you go to the new one, which is probably <laughs> five years old. But uh, Princess Hot Chicken, uh, Hattie B's um, is really good. You have to do that. No, there's a couple locations. The farther you get away from like Broadway, the less crowd and lines you'll have to wait in. So make sure you do your homework and go, all right, it might be worth the uh, $10 Uber ride to go check the other one out. It'll save you some time.
1: If you're heading out with your family for the weekend, where might you head?
0: Pigeon Forge, uh down by Dollywood, um, South, I guess Southeast or East Tennessee is uh, about two and a half hour drive. It is always interesting to see. It's almost like this, uh, country music fan amusement park. (laughs) So there's, there's a lot of great places, roller coaster, mini golf and all that fun stuff that you can go check out. If You go out to Asheville, which is about four and a half, five hours east of here. You can get into the Smoky Mountains and the breweries and microbreweries. There are amazing. And it is, uh, it's almost like a Northern California hippie town, but there are some great artists to go check out. Gosh, the, the, I want to, the Blues Trail kind of runs through Nashville from Chicago all the way down. There's Bourbon Trail, Jack Daniels, uh, you got to go visit that. And ironically, I haven't gone to Jack Daniels in nine years. So that's something I got to put on my bucket list. Harrington Vineyards, Kicks Brooks Winery is uh, a magical place. You got to go there and taste some of the wine from Tennessee it's yeah. so, it
1: just blows my mind every time you talk to somebody over in the States and they're like, oh yeah, it's just down the road. It's like two and a half hours. Well, you know, as you know, over here, two and a half hours would get you quite a long way up England and yeah. uh, you're like, oh yeah, just down the road. Whereas over here, it's, that's a proper journey. That's what we're doing. That's a whole outing. But I love the fact that there's just so much scope and there's so much to do still, yeah. in, still in one state. I think, it's, well, I think it's pretty we cool. need
0: to bring in from London and the UK is is the tube the underground. I, I think we were yeah. up something like that in Nashville, but it got shut down. So hopefully there's some sort of like public transit that we don't have to drive because yeah. that is the, yeah you got to watch out for those like pedal taverns. And we still have like the horse and carriage and just whatever yeah. party bachelorette bus that's going to be driving around the road. So yeah. <laughs> but you're When we say down the road it it is usually like an hour a couple hours away
1: (laughs) yeah and what's it been like in Nashville and in Tennessee over the last year obviously you've had just horrendous things to deal with because you've had the the tornado you've obviously had the the pandemic you've had the bombing you've had riots I mean it all seems to have kicked off in in Nashville sort of over the last year and I don't know if that's just because I'm sort of more attuned to it because it's a place of, of interest for me has it changed the atmosphere or is it just too difficult to tell because everything's so abnormal because of the pandemic anyway
0: yeah that's a great question I mean it's this last year Nashville has definitely seen its fair share of things coming through the tornadoes or or something you can never really plan for you know the the natural disasters and devastated uh Lot of people, uh, including my colleagues' houses, was just taken down, and it was all right. But not everyone survived. I mean, you go a quarter mile outside our our house. um, I'll never forget that that morning driving in the work, and I I took a right, went over Percy Priest Dam, and there was no damage. I got in the work, and everyone's like, "Are you okay?" Because the tornado just went right by our house, and went back home, and just to the left of our house was flattened you know so we were very very fortunate but our our neighbors weren't and that was just I I think we you you kind of live in your your comfort zone and you don't think about it until it happens to you or to someone close to you and so that that kind of started this whole year off and there's definitely been some challenges and I, I think Nashville has done such a great job of you know, opening its doors and bringing tourists in, and and really has garnered a lot of attention over the last couple of years. Of what a great place and, and Tennessee, as far as a great state, it is. And so, I, I think there is much more perspective. There's much more people tuning into Nashville now because it has such a. There's so much talent here. There's yeah. so many things to see. So, but yeah, we we've just had our. Uh, fair share of bad luck. I, I absolutely think absolutely have. We'll, we'll definitely rebound and the music will, will always keep us alive. And I, I think more than ever, that's what people can gravitate to anywhere in the world. It's just the music and positive message that it may stand out. Um, it, it's something that just really helps us all here. Is, um, we've had Lee Bryce here at Curb that released an album called Hey World. And that song, Hey World, is it's such a beautifully written song if you get a chance to listen to it it just kind of brings you the tears and and perspective of you know how lucky and fortunate we are to, to be alive and get to do what we get to do.
1: I think it is it's so fascinating and amazing how artists and songwriters are able to communicate what everyone else is thinking and there's obviously there's Lee Bryce but Luke Combs with Six Feet Apart, there's Mickey Guyton with Heaven Down Here and Black Light Me. Like, they're so relatable, and you think, yes, that's, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's, um, that's how I'm feeling. And, and they've got that talent to be able to put that down on paper and play it, and I just think that's absolutely, absolutely awesome.
0: Yeah, no. No, I, I think you're right. That's, uh, that's why we get to do what we get to do is because artists that are willing to share what they're emotionally feeling at the moment, you know, touches on so many emotions that we all have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you, with with another one of your hats on, you are a director of the BCMA, so the British Country Music Association. What are your thoughts of UK country music over the last three to five years?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm such a big fan of UK country music and the artists that I've had the privilege of going over and, and meeting and listening to them. And I think right now in the UK, far as country music that it, it is just it's on the rise and I, I say that it's, it's getting much more of a broader audience and I, I think BBC Radio 2 has done a great job of exposing uh, that and now you're seeing some of the independent stations that are picking up country music and as you travel around you can see that there's a demand for fans that really really love this music and and like we are talking before that want to buy a merch and really support the artist. So and something I really, really appreciate about UK country music to go along with the fans is they are willing to, they're more apt to listen to the, the B side of the album. You know, some of the songs that may not necessarily be that, that single driven song here in the States, they attach themselves more to some of the songs that you, you may not hear at a, a yeah concert so that is i love that because you have a listener audience and listener more of a lyrical sense i'm not saying that we don't do it here in the states but i I just noticed that um, from some of the shows that we've gone over there and there's so many great artists and so much great talent and i I think what we just have to be careful of is that we're not trying to conform uk country artists to the nashville way of life that's UK country artists they UK country artists I'm not saying they can't travel back here and, and and learn but there is something so special about what they're singing about so yeah,
1: yeah. no it's uh, great so it I'm going to put you slightly on the spot here yeah do you have is there one particular UK artist that you think is really gonna make it over the next next couple of years or just one one to watch some of my other guests have bailed on this question so if if you'd like to then then you can they didn't want to offend anyone but I just I love to to sort of find those undiscovered people
0: gosh yeah there's I don't know I, I mean I, I listen to quite a few artists I really like Jade
1: Halliwell or yeah. Halliwell Jane Halliwell yeah, yeah
0: yeah uh, wandering hearts the shires you can't, i mean there's such great talent gary quinn there there's so many so many great artists I, I i probably am not doing justice by not mentioning um the list of them but it's just i, I can easily spend five six hours listening to have uh, a whole uh, spotify playlist dedicated to uk country and so man, and you guys have a great uh Playlist uh, nearly Nashville, yeah. where other UK artists go. Up on um, so, <sighs> yeah, Wandering Hearts was. Uh, I think it was at the and Boots Festival. I, I got to see them for the first time. That was just really exciting to listen to.
1: So, and I think they're awesome live as well. I know I yeah. I was a little undecided about them when I was just listening you know, on Spotify or what have you. And then I saw them live and I was like, wow, okay. And I'm, and it is the harmonies and it just seems to come so naturally. And they, they work so well together that I think it's such a spectacle when they are playing live that it makes you really appreciate it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's it's been so much fun. And the BCMAs have taught me so much and really enjoyed the last, uh, the awards show, uh, which was beautifully done. And yeah. um, I Give kudos to the team that, that put that together. And, and I, I do think that these CMAs are, are really helping out and really honing in on how to empower UK country music and, and bring back, you know, some tools and ideas to the, the country artists there for them to grow, not only individually, but to have a network that they can reach out to. So that's been exciting to be a part of and. Uh, to lend any experience I possibly can.
1: Yeah.
0: Because, uh, Do you know
1: uh, if that is the same, is that the case in other genres of music? I'm completely clueless about any other genre of music. So I don't know, you know, if hip hop has this uh, uh, an equivalent kind of organization to the BCMA.
0: I, I want to say there's some other outside, you know, outside of country. I, I think there's some, there's associations that hmm. other genres have. But I, I really, I mean, I just know country music for the most part, and it's just such a network of, of great individuals like yourself that are talent buyers. You have a festival. You really care about the artists and the lyrics, and you want to just lift these artists up to have a stage to perform so they can get hurt. And uh, you see that throughout UK country artists. When I go over there, and it's, it's incredible because you can go to a festival, whether it's in Manchester, or up in Millport in Scotland, you have other venue owners and festival owners all going there to support each other and the help outs. And it's uh, not to say you don't get that here in the States, but it, it's much more, hey, let's work together and how do we grow these artists and help them out? Absolutely. And I, it's really, and I think truly this whole business of what I found out is. You know the song has every. We're all here because the song, because of the artist, but the relationships is what drives the community of of country music, and I, I truly feel that everybody does genuinely want to help help the artists out.
1: Yeah, and I know as a as a festival organizer, since I've become involved in country music, like you say, everybody's just so keen to help, and I know if I'm stuck on something, because I am, you know, I'm a newbie, I'm learning as I, as I go mm-hmm. along as well. I, I know I can pick up the phone to the guys from Nashville meets London or Millport or Buckle and Boots or from the BCMA. And it's such a great feeling just because I do most, most of it all on my own anyway. And just to go, oh, goodness, I'm actually not sure about this. Is that too <laughs> expensive? Is that okay? You yeah. know, just to be able to ring Carl, for example, and go, help. Or you know, <laughs> Peter from Nashville meets London, or or Gavin, oh, yeah. and go. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. <laughs> and they calm me down. And they go, okay. Well, you know, and you know, it's just a sounding board. But there isn't that competition. I'm not ringing them thinking, oh God, I shouldn't tell them this or I shouldn't tell them that because I really feel like they are supporting me. As I hope, I'm always supporting them as well. So it is. It's a really great, great environment to to work in. I have to say. Yes. So, what about an undiscovered US artist? Have you been into a bar and recently? I know it's a bit difficult, obviously with the the current situation. And but has there been anyone that you've seen and gone, wow, they've just blown me away?
0: Well, I, I mean, I always like to bring up the artists I work with, like uh, obviously like Brian Young and Jackson Mickelson and, and Tim Duggar. But uh, I
1: kind of i I look at them as already <laughs> being discovered.
0: Yeah. Gosh, who have I, the last, I really haven't gone out that much. So let's, let's table that question and I I will get back to you with somebody. Uh, There was uh, about a year and a half ago, I was really, really love Parker McCollum. I I love him, but uh, before he was signed and he was um, doing some great things in Texas he yeah, has a song called the hell of a year and misunderstood that was wow, Who this guy is incredible. And so it was somebody that's, uh, you play at exit in every three months. So I'd make sure to get a ticket, but now he's, he's definitely blown up and I think he just had his first number one, probably going back for a second now. So
1: yeah. good Go with him yeah, then. And what uh, about your absolute go-to road trip country song? <laughs>
0: Well, Road Trip, Country Song, uh, Backboats, Rodney Atkins, Anything, Lee Bryce, She Ain't Right, Rumor, Woman Like You.
1: This is a playlist, Todd. Come on, we need one song. Oh, just one song? Just one song. Come on. You're cruising down an open road, the sun's shining, the window's down.
0: It it changes every day. It depends on my mood (laughs) or where we're driving. So I, I do like to do this. I'll tell you, when I'm on the road and I'm driving, if there's a particular artist that's from that from that area, I, I like to tune in just kinda because most of the artists usually write about what they, they grew up and so that's what I like to
1: That's a great uh, idea. So Brilliant. Great idea. Well thank you so much for joining me, Todd. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Really, really appreciate it. And um yeah. looking forward to hopefully seeing you over here in the UK at some point <laughs> over the yeah. next goodness knows how long.
0: I, I can't wait to to give everybody a proper hug and I know. <laughs> listen to my music but thanks for having me georgie right. and i appreciate what you guys are uh, you're doing for, for country music so well,
1: thank you you're very welcome lovely to talk to you so as part of our now customary post-edit show notes i just want to recap all the recommendations that todd has made for as and when we can visit Nashville again. He has suggested Prince's Hot Chicken and Hattie Bee's, actually in Nashville, if you like hot chicken. I've just been looking at the Hattie Bee's menu and it looks amazing. Absolutely recommend that. And if you want to go for a day out with the family, he recommends heading down to Pigeon Forge, or you can start on the Blues Trail, which starts in Memphis, obviously a little bit further afield than Nashville. Um, And the surrounding areas also have lots of vineyards and breweries, and he recommends those as well. Thank you for listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can find the rest of our episodes on talesoftennessee.podbean.com and they will also be listed on the Tennessee Fields Festival website, which is tnfields.com. They'll also be linked to all of our social media at tnfieldsfest. Once again, a huge thank you to Archie, Bertie and Francis Ween for providing the jingles and assisting with editing.
0: Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee